Hallelujah. His love is amazing, isn't it? Come on, somebody. Rochelle, will you come up here? Look at the person next to you and say, come on, somebody. That was good, Dougie, fresh. Love you. Man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Are you all ready to get in the word? We're going to be reading. We're going to continue talking about reformers and revivalists. This is part two. And uh, I want us to read. I want my wife to help me. First Corinthians 12. And we're going to read a couple verses, 12 13, and 13. And then we're going to read 22 through 26. Are you ready? And then we're going to pray. We're going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Let's read. The human body has many parts, but the parts make up only one body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into Christ's body by one spirit, and we've all received the same spirit. In fact, some of the parts that seem weakest and least important are really the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect from the eyes of others those parts that should not be seen. While other parts do not require this special care, so God has put together the put the body together in such a way that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other equally. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Thank you, Jesus, for your word, God. Come on, let's pray. We thank you for what is stirring in this house. We thank you for what is stirring in our hearts this morning. Father, I just pray a word in season, a word that would just just cause us to be corrected, adjusted, and um, reproofed, and, Father, free to live the way you've called us to live. I just pray, God, that we would, be, um, we would have open hearts to receive every word that comes from heaven this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Can we give God a shout of praise again? Come on. Hallelujah. Well, it's good to see everybody. Good morning. It's good to be in the presence of the Lord. Aren't you so blessed that we can come and gather and worship God in this country? Come on. And we have freedom to do that. And we have a great bunch of people that love Jesus. I think you all love God a little bit. Um, We'll see how you respond to the message, but uh, so far you're measuring up. I'm just playing with you. Um, I'm so blessed this morning. I want to just honor you and thank you again, uh, Chris Ritchie, pastor Chris for leading us in worship and, uh, being our worship culture pastor. We're raising up psalmists. Come on somebody. And we're going to send them to the nations of the world. We're going to plant churches and we're going to send out people that are equipped for that with a team of people that can go into a dry spiritual climate and break up fallow ground and proclaim a move of God where there is no move of God. And they can become reformers and revivalists in new territories. Amen. That's what we are, and that's what we're doing in Henderson. My wife thinks I'm crazy. Every time I see another church building empty on another part of town, I'm like, all right, let's, let's go plant a church over there. And I'm like, we'll just have two campuses and we'll rotate and we'll move around. We got enough worship team. Come on, let's do it. And I want to, I want to take territory for Jesus. I want to bring a move of God to a broken culture that is hurting and they're thirsty. There's so many thirsty people. 
And I just believe that we need the revelation that God has called us to be reformers and revivalists. I think some people are still looking for revival, and I'm going to give you a few reasons why. I want to share my heart with you. I want to give you fruit, fruit, a few, a fruit, excuse me, a few reasons why I think some are still looking for revival instead of walking in it and moving in it and, and just seeing it into fruition. Amen. The first scripture here that we read, I, I love this. The Lord just kind of just branded this on my heart this week. And I, I want to just read this verse to you. It says, in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 12, it says, but we have all been baptized into Christ's body by one spirit, and we all have received the same spirit. Say, same spirit. Have you ever met somebody and you feel like you've known them before, then you find out they're a Christian, and you felt like, you know, and then you get to know them, and then it's like, man, I feel like I've known you my whole life. Have you ever experienced that? That's because they have the same spirit in them. Have you ever come to a church and you just feel at home and you feel like, wow, these are my brothers and sisters? That's because it's the same spirit. And Holy Spirit baptizes us as a, an assembly and a body of believers. We are one church, the body of Christ. How many know that you belong to the body of Christ? Wow, that's a pretty big deal. A lot of times the enemy comes and tries to distract us with insignificance. I, I'm telling you, it's like, I, and I, I understand, I, I want to tell you a story. There's a true story. Something that happened to me, and I learned the significance of the whole body, of, of my own physical body, parts that I might have, well, you know, like my toe or, or my pinky, no big deal, right? I don't really need my pinky, but how many know every part is significant and important for the body to be mobilized for what it was created to do. There was a time when I was crazy and young, and, um, and I was, uh, how many were crazy and young? Come on, somebody. How many are still crazy and young? Raise your hand. All right, we'll pray for you. Let's have an altar call right now for the crazy and young people. It's good to be crazy and young, but not do what I'm about. Don't try this at home, young people. I was swinging off a roof, and, and we didn't have a rope, so we tied a hose together. And uh, part of the hose was broke, so we used duct tape. And how many of you know that you're like, you know, contractors and engineers that doesn't work well? I mean, even if you use Gorilla Tape, Gorilla, I mean, I used duct tape to tape a hose together that were swinging body weight off of a roof. Now, we weren't just swinging off a roof like we, we were swinging over because it was a thrill, this spiked fence. This is a true story. Some of you might have heard it. I told it, I think, a couple of years ago, actually. But I was swinging off, and we're having a good time. Now, there's probably four or five of us, and we're all doing this, and it's a great time. And we're like, yeah, you know, drinking Mountain Dew and stuff. And um, they sponsored this message, so I had to say it. Amen. Um, and we're swinging off the – and for some reason, well, I don't know. God uses stuff like this. I don't think it was God. But for some reason, it broke when I was on it. I think my friends might have been high because they laughed at me when I fell. But let me tell you the whole story. And I'm swinging, and right when I'm over the spike fence, snap. And I was like, literally, I, I thought my, my back was going to end up getting a spike through, like a movie or something. I was scared. I was literally like, okay, I'm dying. Let me cry out to God on my last, you know, my dying breath. 
and I'm swinging over this thing. And for some reason, I didn't land on my back, but I flipped backwards because of the momentum. And I ended up like landing on my head, like my neck, and my neck hurt for a few weeks. But for some reason, I broke my toe. I don't know how it happened. It was the weirdest thing. And I think my toe hit, and then I fell, or it was all a blur. You know when you fall, it's like, you know, and you're just like, ow. And I got up, and I thought I snapped my neck. My friends are laughing. Why is it funny when people fall? Come on. Is there any, like, skaters, rollerbladers in here? You laugh when your friends fall? Anyone? Am I the only one? Am I sick in the head or something? When you're young and someone falls, it's just funny. Well, they're laughing at me. So anyways, let me get to the point. The point is, is I broke my toe. And I'm like, oh, I broke my toe. Thank God I didn't break my neck. I mean, the neck's a big deal, but I didn't realize you couldn't walk with a broke toe. And so for weeks, you remember this, Dad? Yeah, did you think I was young and crazy too? Yeah. (laughs) Probably wanted to choke me a few times, but thanks for loving me, Dad. I didn't realize that that the big toe is actually important. I'm reading this verse, I'm thinking, and I want to just, I want to admonish you, but also encourage you that you are significant. The body of Christ, every part is important. I mean, I think it's a big deal for us to get the revelation that we're a part of the body. I mean, you're part of the body of Christ. If all we do is just worship with the angels, that's enough for me. I get to come to his throne and worship him. Our significance is so vital for us to understand that we are, we are able to partner with God in a move of his Holy Spirit in these end times. And sometimes insignificance will distract, and the intent of the enemy is to cause division. Now, Paul's actually writing to church. He says, there's divisions among you, and, and, and he's rebuking them, but he's loving them. He's saying, listen, and, and he's telling them of how important. He says, you're baptized in one spirit. You're baptized in the Spirit of God. How many know when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is love, so you're baptized in love. He's also fire, so you receive from heaven the baptism, and we're fitted together. But I I felt like sharing that story because I, I think that it's very important that we realize sometimes the lie of insignificance will rob our value, and it'll rob us from what God is actually doing. Because we're so concerned with our hurts, we won't allow God to heal it. But I want to speak to some of those hurts. But I want to read the verse 14 in the message. Right after that, he says, I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. He says, the fact that you're a member of a body and that we're individual members of one body created to do something together, that's exciting that God would send us to Henderson to to change and transform a culture and a community. Come on. Wow, I get to be a part of that? I mean, I I don't care if I'm in the back of the army marching and possessing the land for Jesus. I'm just glad I get to be a part of it. And I understand the significance of the parts of the body that might seem, you know, insignificant like your big toe, the stinky parts, the parts that no one realizes are important until you break them when you're swinging off a roof doing silly stuff. And Paul says, I want you to think about how this makes you more significant. And then he says, a body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. Say functioning together. God let us learn that. 
Father, let us learn this so insignificance does not distract us. And then he goes on, he says, listen, every part is important. The whole, we need each other. He, he teaches them interdependence. One of the worst things about, about learning to be, being fitted in a body is, is an independent spirit. We, we have to learn interdependence in community. God is interdependent. Did you know that? Well, what do you mean? God's, he's not dependent upon anyone. He's in, he is interdependent on himself in the role of redemption because he's triune, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is community. How much more should the people of God be community? That's a good point right there. Amen. Here's what I want to talk about. Verse 25 and 26. How, how are we distracted? One of the reasons, one of the big reasons, significance, uh, insignificance distracts us from what God is doing. But I want to share with you just a little, the last part here I really like, and I think it's important for us to get this that sometimes we just don't see what God is already doing. And that's why we're still looking for revival. We're still, God, we want you to move, but we just don't see what he's doing now and honor what he's doing now. And right here he says in verse 26, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. Have you ever wept with somebody? No, no, have you really ever got next to them in the spirit and, and helped them bear the burden? If you haven't, then you have yet to experience what it is to be fitted in a body. And it's the most amazing thing. You, what are you, it's amazing to cry? No, it's amazing for God to use people to bear one another's burdens. You're fulfilling the law of love. That's what we were created to do. It's the most amazing thing. Have you ever wept with somebody? Have you cried with somebody lately? Do we care enough to go up and, and say, hey, what is going on in your life? I can see your countenance reveals you. I want to see what, what I, I want to know what's going on in your heart because I love you and I want to see that thing lifted off of you. That's, that's what we're created to do as a body. And then he says this, this is so good. And if one part, one, say one part, is honored, all the parts are happy. Wow, that just, hold on, that does not sound like the church today. Why can't we rejoice in other people's breakthroughs? We're stumbling over a blessing when we're one body. Just think about that for a minute. Let it sink in deep. God, I don't want to be distracted from what you're doing. I want to honor what you're doing. Let me tell you a story that John the Baptist was in prison. Who I know who John the Baptist is? Prepare the way of the Lord. Come on. He baptized Jesus. He had a great ministry. He's in prison, about ready to get his head cut off. It's a pretty big deal. And he asks the disciple, as he's in prison, will you ask Jesus and and ask him for me, is is he the one or is there someone else coming? And then the, the, the disciple responds with, tell him the dead are raised. Jesus tells him to tell him the dead are raised. The blind see, the, de- the, the gospel, or the poor have the gospel preached to them. And, and he tells them all these things. What's interesting about it is John, many of you know, in the book of John, John the Baptist said, you are the lamb, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He already prophesied that Jesus was the one, but now he's in a different state of mind. And Jesus' ministry, he prayed it, Lord, I want to decrease so that you can increase. You know that prayer, John 3.30. And, and Jesus' ministry is exploding. And then he's, he's concerned and wondering, maybe he's not the one. Because what happens is sometimes our opinions can change if we stop looking at what God is doing. 
We've got to set our eyes on what he's doing. We've got to fix our eyes on the graces and the good things that he's doing. The psalmist understood this when he said, declare the works of the Lord, the power of the testimony. If all, if literally, and I hate negativity as a person, but if we look at the things he's not doing, we will be sucked in a downward spiral of lies, of insignificance, and oh, I just wish God was moving. It's like he just moved on you last week. If you'd stored that favor, he'd move a little bit more. We come to the altar and get slain in the spirit and God's moving. And then, and then Tuesday, we're calling the pastor for prayer. And no one did that. I, I'm not speaking. I'm saying figuratively. I don't preach out of frustration like that. But there's something that we've got to learn from this. We've got to learn to rejoice. The Bible says when one part is honored, all the parts are glad. When one suffers, all suffer with it. We're one body. We're one people. And we've got to rejoice. And so the disciple, you know, basically Jesus is saying, you need to tell John to look what God is doing, not what he's not doing. Set your eyes on what he's doing. Now, it brings a new light to when Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I believe that he was so focused on what the Father was doing, there was no room to be distracted with what some may think he's not doing. Think about that for a minute. Why only do what the Father? We think that, oh, I'm only going to go where he says to go. That's true. But think about it, that Jesus was so focused on what the Father was doing that he had no, he, listen, the Pharisees tried to trap him over and over again. He didn't stop and try to defend himself and prove that he was the Messiah through Scripture. He said, the dead are being raised, the blind are seeing. Think about that for a minute. Like, let's look at what he's doing, not what he's not doing or what we don't think he's doing. Last week, we talked about blind Bartimaeus, and we talked about how he was on the road, by the road in Jericho. Jericho was where they made perfumes because of the flowers and because of the, uh, the fragrances that came out of that city. Literally, he had a good business because he's by the road. I was thinking about this, and there's some wealthy people coming in to buy some perfume, and he's begging by the road. He probably got some good toques. They're probably throwing him some 20s, you know, in today's and, and so he's, he's got a good business going. And then Jesus rocks his world. But I think sometimes we're like him in the aspect that we smell fragrance. As, as a blind man, the sense of smell that he had was enhanced. Sometimes we smell fragrance, but we have never even seen color or nor the, know the source of that fragrance. Because we've got to see what God is doing. We've got to set our eyes. The number one reason, I believe, why some are still looking for revival is because we don't see or value what God is doing now. Number two, one of the reasons we still don't, are we still praying for revival is because we don't really realize that revival is a lifestyle. Amen. Revival is now. Revival is not like a future. Now, God, we pray for an increase always. Amen. But revival is now. Like Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come and drink, and out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. That's revival. That's how simple it is. Like he told the woman at the well, a wellspring, that you, you, you can become a revival. You can, you can bring revival to your city. That, that's actually what she did. The woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. We, I want to just declare to you without any... Uh, I'm not saying this to be prideful or boastful. I'm saying we are in the midst of a pure move of God. And I'm just so glad to be a part of it. I'm just so glad that we can reach the unreached. 
I mean, singing that song, the, the widow's love again. Oh, hallelujah. Wow. The broken hearts, the ones that have literally have no hope, we get to be a part of bringing hope to the hopeless. What if your whole life you got to do that one thing just to one person and bring hope to them? Would it be enough? Now, I, I be, I'm a believer. I'm like Reinhard Bunke is, is crazy. He, the Lord, you know, asked him one time. I heard him uh, talking about this. The Lord asked him, you know, do, do you want a million dollars? And he says, that'd be nice, but I'd much rather have a million souls. The guy has led millions to the Lord, millions. But we get to bring hope to the hopeless. And I want to declare to you, and I, I hope you grab a hold of this. I hope that your eyes see what he's doing now. We are in the midst of a pure move of heaven right now. There's something about the power of the testimony in declaring it. I'm declaring it because it's the truth. I want to I share a quick testimony with you, which we do and we've often been sharing. But last week, last Sunday, how many were here last Sunday? And how many were blessed? Amen. What an awesome time. Um, there's a sister in the Lord that during worship, She's been suffering with, uh, is it rheumatoid arthritis for um, about four years. Chronic pain every day since 2007, every single day. Medication every day since 2007. During worship, she feels like something is pulled out of her back. It pops, like literally. And then she feels fire on her back. Nobody's praying for her. She's just worshiping the Lord. She's just in his presence. She comes to the altar with her parents. She's worshiping God. The next, uh, actually, that day, the pain left. No pain. She wakes up Monday morning, no pain. She's like, well, man, I don't need my medication. No pain. Tuesday morning, wakes up, no pain. This is not, she's not gone a day without pain since 2007. Hello? Wednesday morning, wakes up, no pain. She comes to church and tells us, I haven't had no pain for the last four days. God is so good. Now, here's what I love about that, and, and maybe you get a little bit of this. Last week I talked about how one of the keys to miracles is compassion. When we can look at somebody and say, that's not right, no. There's a righteous enmity and hatred against the oppression of the devil that comes on us, and we say, no. There's a hatred against that oppression that it's the justice of God, the Spirit of God when he comes on us, the anointing that is on us as a generation. We look at injustices and we say, no, that is not right. And out of the compassion, because we have Daddy's heart and Jesus' heart, because we see with his eyes, we go and we say no to that oppression. One of the keys to seeing breakthroughs and miracles. I believe that we need to rejoice and we need to look at this miracle. I, I'm telling you, there was generations of people that prayed for one miracle. Some spent their whole life and saw one miracle and rejoiced like they lived in the life of Jesus and watched him raise the dead. Look at what God is doing. There's something about the power of the testimony. We've got to get around people that are experiencing breakthrough. We've got to honor them. We've got to learn from them no matter our spiritual resume. Oh, I've been saved four to two years. I, I know how to pray for the sick. Well, how many have you seen healed? Get around. I don't care if it's a little kid that's having breakthrough. How are you doing this? Because 
I want to see breakthrough. We've got to get around people and honor them. We've got to, we cannot, we've got to realize revival's a lifestyle. We've got to rest in revival. It doesn't require striving. Hunger and striving are two different things. We're always hungry for more. We're content where we are, but we're always hungry. Godliness with contentment is great gain. But listen, it's not striving. We rest in it. God. It's not like, oh, I've got to pray and fast for, you know, the next 17 weeks to sustain this move of God. No, you've got, now sometimes the Lord will call you to do that. But listen, let's rest in what God's doing and keep running the race with endurance. It's a lifestyle. We are a revivalist. Last week, the the message about reformers and revivalists, one of the greatest points, I believe, to me, what the Lord was really impressing my heart is that reformation is not like this event in history. It's when we realize that it's who we are. I am a reformer. I, I can't handle status quo. I want more because I, I, I want to see God do what he said he's going to do, and he's doing it, and I'm so thankful for that. Sometimes we want to repeat what happens yesterday when we're supposed to build on the momentum of right now. Well, back in, no, I'm telling you, I've never experienced the sweetness and the grace of fellowship and the presence of God my years of being saved. How many would agree with me and, and raise their hand? Raise your hand if you believe that. Have you, I mean, listen, look around. Hold on, keep your hand up. Come on, look around the room. Do you see what God's doing? And we don't say it from an elitist, oh, what God's doing at our church, he's doing it all over. And if he's not doing it in my life, I'm gonna get around someone that he is doing it so I can learn from them but I'm thankful that he is. And I want to build on that momentum. I, I want to I just share with you one of, the, one of the reasons that we don't walk in this lifestyle of revival before I go to the third point and close is that we have to hear his voice. There's something about the voice of God. Like even as a preacher, I'm preparing for messages. And I'm like, all right, God, give me your heart for your people. And I want to hear what the spirit says. And, and, and there's this pull on my heart. But sometimes he just... I mean, it, it could be anything. I could just be walking, and God says, I love you. And I'm like, okay, I got a word from God. I mean, that, I just, I need to hear your voice. Sometimes it's like in the most turmoil times that we go through stuff, and God says, everything's going to be okay. And I, I heard his voice. That's enough. I, we, we have to learn to live by that, live by his voice. I want to hear the voice of God. We can hear his voice. If we hear his voice, then we will live the lifestyle of revival. And we can help you hear his voice. When you're worshiping and you just feel loved, you're hearing his voice. It doesn't have to be audible, you know? Rochelle, stop shopping. Did you guys hear that? Oh, my gosh. Or was that just Rochelle that heard it? I'm just mad. She barely shops at all. Guess what, husbands? Bless your wife. Go buy her a new outfit. According to the budget, come on, somebody, stewardship. But don't be all, we were talking about that the other day. It's good. It's good, man. But listen, God doesn't have to speak audibly. Alex, you're doing a great job on Wednesday nights. I love you. That was God. That was not me. It's not audible. It's this, this impression of our heart. It's like, oh, I know God's speaking to me right now. He's pouring his love into me. When you feel loved, it's God saying, I love you. Live by his voice. Matthew 4.4, 4, everybody knows it. 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I want to hear, I want to get so close. Like John, I love the book of John because he was so close to Jesus. He's the one that he wrote about himself, the one whom Jesus loved. <laughs> like he loved me. He's all proud of it. And he writes in there, and, and it says that he rested his head on his heart. But there's this one verse I remember doing a journal on, and, and it, he actually quoted Jesus the same way the disciples, the way they wrote the New Testament, the Gospels, as if it was an Old Testament scripture, but it came from the mouth of Jesus. It was not a verse in the Old Testament. But he said, as it was said. Do you realize how profound that is? That we're so close to his heart that we just feed on every word and we count it as that's a promise from God. That's living in revival. It's like living that lifestyle, hearing his voice. Are you hearing me this morning? John was so close to him that read it through the Gospels. He, there's this one point he says, as it was said. But it was not a verse he was quoting. It's something Jesus said in like chapter 8 or 7 or something. Amazing amazing to me. One of the third reasons that we're still looking for revival is because we don't repent. And I'm not talking about overt sin. Uh, How many are still robbing banks? Raise your hand if you are. Okay. Jenna, we need to pray for you. I know most of us stopped raping, pillaging, and plundering, pirate, you know, all that stuff. I got a good knock-knock joke for you, Alex. You ready? Knock-knock, interrupting pirate. Arr, matey. I love that joke. It's so cheesy. It's just, I love Cheetos. So I'm not talking about overt sins. I'm not talking about like, you know, oh, I went out and I, you know, I sinned. I went out. I'm talking about the motives and intents of the heart. Again, if we're not happy watching people get touched when we're not praying for them, we're not ready for the more we're asking God for. Months ago, we preached and did a series on the house of David. There's a verse that says, the house of David is getting stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul is getting weaker. And we're like, yeah, God, you're speaking to our body, until I realized that God was exposing Saul in me. And the Saul wineskin just began to, and God's given us the the, the right wineskin, the one that's expandable, the heart of David. Like watching people get touched, and I'm not the one praying for them and going, yes, God. I remember when my heart started loving that. I began to see more breakthrough in my own life. It was easier to enter into the presence of God. Sometimes we wonder, like, well, it's just hard to enter in. Well, you probably are, you might be, you need to repent. Azusa Street Revival, William Seymour, I love this quote. He says, the measure of the spirit of revival is measured exactly by the spirit of repentance. Some people teach you don't have to repent today, but we know that. We know better than that. But repentance is a turning your heart to Abba, Father. And pure repentance comes from a motivation of love of people around you saying, God loves you. And your heart just, I mean, love never fails. Your heart, you know what love does? Love disarms. Lord spoke that to me this week. He says, if you just love people, they may have defenses, but it just disarms people. It's like what I carry is greater than what you carry, so you've got to surrender. Put the knife down. I got, a, I got a big old gun. Name a really cool gun. What's a cool gun? An Uzi. What are you, in the mob? <laughs> that's the first thing that came to mind. Okay, that's better than a knife. Love disarms. 
just loving people will disarm them from their defenses because Jesus walks through walls, amen? I don't care if you got walls up and you're rebellious. Jesus walked through the walls when the disciples were afraid. And many people that don't want to be loved or don't want to repent, don't want to, they're just afraid, and they just need to be loved. I remember doing an outreach in an apartment complex not too far from here, and this dude rolled up. We're, we're worshiping, and the kids are having a blast, and, and uh, this dude rolls up, and he had like a gangster limp. I, let me see if I could do it. Hold on. He was like, and he was doing that, you know. I don't know if he really like got shot in the leg in a gang fight or he just pretended like it. But um, at first I'm like, what does he think he is, punk? You know, I'm like, that was me when I was a teenager. And then God spoke to me, said he's just a little six, seven-year-old boy that doesn't have a dad. And I'm like, ah. Oh. God just gave me a little bit of glimpse of how he sees him, just a drop. I probably couldn't handle the whole thing if he showed me exactly how he sees people. I, Jesus probably saw that when he sweat drops of blood when he said yes, the turmoil. Something about just loving people that leads them to repentance, pure repentance, not, not just tears of sorrow, but godly repentance where we say, I've got to repent of these motives and these intents. I can't even rejoice in people's breakthroughs. I'm not even rejoicing in what you're already doing, and I'm praying for this and this and that. And God, I mean, think about what God did just last week to this young lady who got healed from chronic pain since 2007. I want to see more. I had a dream the other night. I was praying for someone that had a severe lung disease and they were dying. It was the right side of the lung and I prayed it was a young man. I remember looking into, he had blue eyes in my dream. It was so vivid and he was smiling. His whole countenance looked different. He's like, I can breathe now. And it was a simple prayer. I mean, it was like, you know, God, just heal him. And, and it was nothing crazy. And I'm like, I want to see more because it's an injustice. So I'm grateful for what he's doing now. You know, I think about William Seymour. He sought the baptism of the Holy Spirit for years. He preached at the Azusa Street Revival. Everyone's getting filled with the Holy Spirit. He's preaching the messages, and he still hadn't received it yet. But he never quit. Think about that. Well, I'm just not going to get filled with the Spirit. I Forget this. I'm not even doing this anymore. And he's the catalyst for the move of Azusa Street Revival. Think about that heart that says, I'm just going after God, and I see people getting touched. Hallelujah. I was watching this video of Bill Johnson the other day when he moved to Reading, and, and they had a gathering, and, and they'd been crying out for a move of God in 1996, and they're crying out for the Lord to come, and one person gets touched, one. And they look at each other, him and his wife, and they're like, that's it, we've got it. God's here, he's doing something. And they saw the one, just the one person get touched. Wow. Remember how many hands were raised just a moment ago when I said, have you ever experienced the sweetness of his presence and fellowship ever in your life before? I haven't, and I'm raising my hand saying, God, you're doing something, and I'm recognizing it, and I'm honoring it, and I'm not after this to be a, the, the pioneer of this thing. I'm just, I just, I'm so glad to be a part of it. That's the kind of people God can give the keys of the kingdom to, the doorkeepers, the ones that I just, I, I just want to be a part of what you're doing, God. 
Some spend their whole life for breakthrough, and they see breakthrough, and they rejoice. Evan Roberts, believing for 100,000 souls, and he wanted to have a, a meeting. Evan Roberts is the Welsh revivalist. The song we sang, Here is Love, was written during that time. That song sparked a mighty move of God about the love of God. It's, it defines the gospel. Read the lyrics. The gospel is not a condescending message. It's the love of God coming to the, the guilty and the broken. And Evan Roberts is believing for 100,000 souls. Think about that. And he's like, I want to have a meeting. And they're like, ah, we can have a meeting over here after service. And 13 people are there. A lot of them young people. 13 people. He rejoiced. He says, God, that's a good start. I'm going to keep going. And guess what happened? The move of God broke out. And 100,000 people plus come into the kingdom of God. Let's learn to rejoice in all breakthroughs and have eyes to see what he's doing right now and repent from all that stuff. Can we worship the Lord together right now and just, just honor him? Holy Spirit, I ask you to come in power. Holy Spirit, come and saturate us with your love right now. We want to see what you're doing. We want to value what you're doing. I speak significance. You know, I, I want to say this real quick. Keep your eyes closed. Many times as pastors, we're learning that a lot of the issues of the heart, of our own hearts, of people we counsel, it's a significance issue. And I want you to understand how significant you are right now. In the presence of the Lord, you are part of the body of Christ And the enemy's been trying to distract you with your insignificance and you're missing what he's doing and even what he's speaking to you. You're talking so much about your insignificance, you can't hear his voice saying, I love you. Saying, God, what about this? And this person hurt me and this and that. And God's like, would you just shh and let me speak peace and love over you. God, open our eyes and show us our value. We're going to sing this song, Here is Love. And I'm praying for a baptism of the love of God over all of you. And we're going to close with this song, and we're going, to, we're going to allow him to just love us. It's 1034. Let's take the next six minutes. I want to open the altars in just a moment, in just a moment. And the, the, I'm doing that for a reason, because I want you, I, I was watching some videos recently of, of nations that are starving, nations that are hungry in the spirit. And they, when they open the altars, people run because there's not enough room. So they try to be the first one up there so they can get all that they want, they need, and all that they know that they need. So I want to pray right now, Holy Spirit, baptize us in love. And I rebuke the lie of insignificance that is coming and trying to distract the people of God. Right now, let it be broken in Jesus' name. And I'm going to open the altars. And I want you to come and I want you to receive. Come on. The altars are open. Come. Come on. Look what he's doing. If you need healing in your body, he's here. If you need to move, if you, you God, I'm hungry. I need a fresh touch. That's it. Come on, let's sing the song and let's go after it.
I'm praying, Daddy, right now that you would kiss your people the kisses of your lips, God. Your love is better than wine. God, bring healing to the wound of insignificance and rejection. Don't be distracted anymore. Hear him whisper, he loves you. Daddy loves you. <laughs> Daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. Oh, he loves you. I remember the day you told me you love me, love. And then you speak your peace, God. And then you tell me everything's going to be okay. And I just feed off your voice. I just love it to hear your voice. Hear his voice, children of God. He loves you. I bless your people right now, and I thank you for the momentum of revival that we're in the midst of. We open our eyes. We won't be distracted anymore, and we rejoice in the breakthroughs and blessings of everybody that is part of the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, shout, Jesus.